millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are connected across an internet cable, across an ocean with Brother David. If you have listened for a long time, you know often we have uh, one name guests. We, we don't want to disclose all of their identifying details because they are involved in gospel work in hard places. And David leads Operation Mobilization's work in the Middle East and North Africa. So a lot of uh, hard countries, difficult places there. Brother David, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Let's go back to the very beginning. How did God get a hold of your heart and say, hey, I, I don't want you to stay in Germany. I want you to go. I want you to go to other places and share the gospel. How did that story develop for you? This is 35, more than 35 years ago. My then fiancé and myself, we knew that we wanted to go into missions somewhere. We also had the sense we really wanted to go somewhere where we really feel that we are needed. So where are not too many others working already. And there are these statistics. There was one statistic that always said, how many inhabitants of a given country come on one worker? So this is in, was in normal countries all over the place, a couple of thousand, 2,000, 4,000, 8,000, something like that. And those days then we came to Arab countries and it was by and large always 1 million to 1. Wow. That was our call, basically. We felt like, okay, this is really the place where we want to go. And it's actually, it is better today, but still, when it comes to the amount of sowing that is done and ministry that is done, far less than anywhere else in, 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 this, in this world. So that is my call. And I think about it, and we have had another guest here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio that talked about the fact that in, in some of those places... You can be born and live your whole life and die and never meet someone who follows Jesus. Uh, in some places, never even hear the name of Jesus. Um, yes. And so when you talk about one worker to reach a million plus people, uh, yes. there is the, the, the fields are white for harvest. There is a great need for more workers. We exactly. are hearing stories, and and I think even back a couple of years ago during the COVID times, there was a lot of stories about the openness of the people in the Middle East, in North Africa. Maybe during COVID lockdown, they were on online downloading a Bible. Maybe they were going to a Christian website. It seemed like as they were sort of trapped in their homes, like a lot of us, uh, they could explore that. They could ask some of those questions. As you have workers on the ground in these countries, are are you seeing that same thing, that that openness, that hunger, that sort of willingness to ask questions about, hey, what what about Jesus? What, what about being a Christian? I mean, if I compare it to the days, my main days when I was ministering, that is in the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s, most definitely, yes, there is far, far more openness than, than before. I mean, there is still massive, massive need for people really to just share the, the, the basics, but still you're right. And it has a number of different reasons. I mean, you mentioned the the internet even before, I mean, long before COVID uh, has had a major influence. 
also especially because it is obviously, as you know, not a very acceptable thing to ask about Jesus. So on the internet, you can do so anonymously. So yeah, you are right. That has made a major change. Also, Muslims themselves observing their own world, let's say in the last 10, 12 years or so, the, the violence, the wars, and the killings. And let's not forget, in the West, many, many people may be sort of afraid of Muslim terrorists, but bottom line, 100 times, 1,000 times more, 10,000 times more Muslims die on the hands of their own people than than we this has a deep, deep effect, of course, on, on people's hearts, like what is going on. And, and I have met quite a number of people, quite, I mean, many people who openly say, and we know that this comes from our religious system. So that makes people think. And then on top of that, if then refugees coming from Muslim countries are not welcome, for example, in rich Gulf countries, but are welcome in in the countries of the kuffar or of the infidels, that um, <laughs> does have... A major major influence on the on the thinking of people so yeah that those are some reasons that really have made a big uh, difference in the past especially i would say five or ten years or so yeah what does that mean for your staff and your workers that are on the ground in these countries like is it likely that they're going to have muslims who come to them and ask questions or how much do they still have to kind of plant the seeds and go out there what does that look like for a, a worker in you know, North Africa or the Middle East? I mean, we will never stop just going out literally to the streets, walking around <laughs> and going and fishing <laughs> for men. I mean, I was just a couple of weeks ago with with our team in one uh, Near East country. And yeah, they do it every single day. And that is good. They will never stop doing that. But then again, I mean, when it comes just to, for example, those who really purposefully and, and with desire are looking for answers and looking for people who can help him further on through media contact. One of our biggest problems is that we do not have enough uh, workers who are able in language-wise, culturally-wise, from experience, to really not only follow up, but make disciples. That is a very real challenge and, and also in the most interesting places. I mean, not only, I mean, even let's say Saudi Arabia sounds like one of the most core Muslim country. I guess the, the, the biggest problem that, that we have there is that uh, we don't have enough well-equipped disciples. That is, uh, that's a reality that we live in today. Mm. And I think that points to one of the challenges. As you have people in the region who are finding Christ online or they're mm. watching a satellite TV broadcast and mm. maybe they become a, a believer, how do they get discipled? How do they connect with other believers and especially well, then you kind of layer on the issue of persecution. Like they may not be real excited to stand up and say, hey, I'm not a Muslim anymore because they know that's going to bring trouble. Yeah, It seems like that's really a huge challenge for your staff and your workers. Like how do we connect with these people? How do we disciple them? What are the answers to that? For discipleship and I mean, new believers of any kind, and especially also for those from Muslim background need Focused discipleship, a small group is by far the best thing. I doubt that in big churches we see, I mean, almost any any discipleship. It happens in small groups. So, I mean, that would be one of the consequences. We totally focus on building small groups. The ministry focuses in building small groups. There is something called discovery Bible studies. So we try to teach people from the beginning that they can actually teach themselves through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Of course, they also need input from outside. 
and um, also invest into new, even young leaders so that the movement can actually, how can I say, multiply in and move forward. David, I know, obviously, it's a big region. There's lots of countries. But what does it look like for someone to leave behind their Islamic background and their Islamic family and follow Christ? What what are the challenges that they're likely to face? We try to encourage young believers to not right away when they come to the Lord do changes in their life that are more outwardly or cultural or so, and they have nothing to do with faith. Um, I think there is persecution that is because of the name of Jesus, and then there's persecution because of stupidity. And uh, we, we want to avoid the second cause. Isn't yes. it the second? With the police, it is possible, to, even with the best of, let's say, of intentions and the, and the best, uh, wisest way of going about it, it is possible to get into major trouble. By and large, I don't think that police trouble is the major problem. I think the bigger one for most, for the vast majority, really is trouble with broken relationships in the family and in the society, which is for a culture that is totally focused on community, family, you've got good reputation, honor. If this is your life, everything that you have, this is the highest value that you have in your life, then this is really big, big trouble. Even bigger trouble than than getting to prison, I think. So we try to do whatever we, we can from in, encouraging people to, to stay respectful to their families. In some cases, because, of course, also in the Arab world, actually people get more secular over the year in these past years. Some families just accept, accept it, no problem. But those are, I think, the minority. In most yeah. cases, major trouble. How do you prepare someone for the idea that this is this is going to be really costly? You're going to be kicked out of your society. You're going to be kicked out of your family. How do you get a new believer ready to endure that with faithfulness? And again, not do things that that draw it on themselves, but but endure it with faithfulness when it does come. How do you prepare people for that? With new believers, I like to go through quite a number of chapters of Acts. And the story is there. You can teach beautifully what it means to be a believer and what it means to be church in the very beginning. And then what the principles are, what they do. And it just takes two chapters or so. And then they, they already get into major trouble. I do think that sharing your lives with uh, with those that, those that you minister among and and being yourself, being willing to take risks, I think is also an important part. David, how do you think about risk for your teams when you think about you know one of your staff that's being visited by the police every single week one of your staff that's in jail how do you think about sending people both from the standpoint of being a leader who's who's saying yes you should go there and mm-hmm. also from your own standpoint of of working in the region and and putting yourself putting your own family at risk how do you balance that uh, and again like you said earlier we we don't want to get persecuted cuz we were foolish if persecution comes for the gospel, that's one thing. If it comes for not being very smart, that's not a, another thing. How do you think about risk as it relates to going into some of these countries with the gospel? Over the years, I got more and more, I mean, that's me personally, just more and more sort of used to some of the constant threats that are hanging over you. One doesn't want to, to do stupid things. One can be a little bit careful, that is for sure. It does make a difference how, let's say, experienced a person is. We try to prepare people well before they go to some of the more riskier places. We do have 
crisis management courses, security courses or so that actually prepare you. But bottom line, um, <laughs> there's no way around it. I mean, uh, I cannot invite a dear Muslim friend to become a follower of Jesus with all the risk that is connected with that and say, but I will not be, a, I, I'm not willing to take a risk. We can't expect Muslims to take risks to follow Jesus if if we just want to sit home comfortably and not take any risks. Yeah. Do you find that for yourself personally and for your staff that that is a sort of an ongoing conversation or is there kind of a an altar moment where you just kind of put your safety on the altar and say, okay, Lord, you're in charge of my safety or is it something you kind of have to come back to that altar on a, on a regular basis? It's more a, like a, a background music sort of that, that uh, plays over the years. And once in a while, once in a while, when things happen, then suddenly it becomes to the fore, then it becomes a very real issue. It doesn't need to happen too often. But yeah, I mean, if let's say, I mean, in our days, quite a number of people were picked up by the police and deported, which is very, very painful if you are as a family for many, many years in a certain place. That is also something that happened to me personally. Very, very painful. You always know that this could happen anytime. And when it's there, then uh, you have to deal with it. And if it happens to others, then you're reminded this could be happen could be happening. So it is good to be prepared because in a in a situation of crisis, the brain is not working too well, or you can't come up with a plan too quickly. So to have a plan beforehand is, is wise. We have information that is given to us regularly. We have specialists who do nothing else than than really focusing on on um, helping us to be wise and to know what's going on. But in the end, this cannot bring me to just stop the work or or go home. That doesn't doesn't break. When you were deported, how did you kind of work through that with the Lord? Like, Lord, I'm I'm here serving you. How could you let me be kicked out? We've we've built roots here. We've built relationships here. We've put a lot of work in, and now you're allowing us to be kicked out. Did you have those kind of feelings, or did you just kind of think, oh, okay, this is what the Lord has for us? It became quite quickly, uh, quite soon, it became clear that for the little beginning church that we had brought together, this was actually the, the good thing. Because they were forced to take leadership and actually right. they, they exploded after I left. Oh, I wow. had to leave. I don't remember really blaming God too much, but was it was very, very painful. I mean, you have, in our case, given a certain country, a certain people group, 14 years of your life. And I mean, without going to the details, we were living among the poor, paying a very, very, very high price uh, all the time. And then you are treated like common criminal. I mean, I remember being brought into the, the plane with two policemen. I mean, 200 people look and you think like, what on earth is this guy for? <laughs> what has he done? And being basically chased away like a sick dog or so from people that you have served with a lot of, lot of, with a very high price that I found far more difficult to deal with emotionally than that God. I mean, with God, I do have a very deep <laughs> trust that he'll do it right. That's mm-hmm. fine. People don't. <laughs> well, and it's interesting and it's encouraging to hear that 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 was what the church needed. You know, the Lord's plan is going to advance regardless of whether we're on site or not. Mm-hmm. David, a lot of our listeners have contact with Muslims. They maybe mm-hmm. it's a coworker, maybe it's a fellow student, maybe it's mm-hmm. a neighbor. I think a lot of us would like to have gospel conversations with them. We find it quite intimidating. You know, I I don't know enough about Islam. I won't be able to answer all their questions. I won't 
give us some advice as as we want to have these conversations and and lead our Muslim friends towards Christ. Just kind of advise us on on how to do that. Yeah, a couple of I mean, a couple of things come to my mind. And first thing, what you say about sort of this certain level of insecurity. That is one thing that I'm observing, I mean, all over the place. And to, to a certain degree, I can understand it. I mean, the first thing I really would want to say, please don't even think about how well equipped you are and whether you can, could do any major cultural blunder or or you don't understand Islam enough or so. This is really, this is not helpful. The biggest mistake that you can make is not saying anything. So any other cultural blunder that maybe yes will come, sure, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but that is that is less um less of a problem, really far less of a problem than just not opening your mouth, I think. Or that would be the first thing. I mean, you're led by the Holy Spirit, it's fine. Um, the other thing that I would say is what always happens, or almost always, is that we are pulled into some kind of religious theological discussion. Muslims have a couple of Typical, how can I say, critique points towards Christianity, or yeah, Jesus didn't die on the cross. He is not God. He is not the Son of God. There is no thing, uh, such thing as uh, Trinity. The Bible is uh, corrupted. Okay, so those five things. And if you, especially as, as a man, maybe not so much ladies, but if you don't watch out, you'll always, almost always just get sucked into one of those discussions and then never, even if you're super well prepared, ever, never bring fruit or, or lead you to anything really good. I don't remember somebody coming to the Lord ever because the believer was better than than him or her in uh, in arguing these things. So if you can in any way just avoid or ignore these, these kind of things and just change the subject, that would be my, my next point. And then I mean, instead of arguing and getting into theological or religious discussions, if you share something from your own life, I mean, God calls us witnesses. A witness is somebody who tells what he or she experienced and saw and heard, right? If you just share what what you experienced with uh, with Jesus, nobody can criticize you for that. <laughs> and that's uh, far more powerful than anything else. And then maybe also in a similar line, we have learned early on, instead of going this this discussion route there, to just share and tell biblical stories, Bible stories. Uh, it's not a coincidence that God communicates through Scripture to us in stories. I mean, 70% or so of the Scripture are stories, and we are not smarter than God. So just tell them, if you have, have time and see people again and again, go chronologically through Scripture. I always say, like telling a Bible story is sort of communicating the truth under the radar. People don't even realize what's going on, but it's, it, it hits the heart far more directly than, than your discussion type. And um, yeah, one has to learn a little bit. I mean, we are not all born as good storytellers, but it's very possible to learn. I think that would be my other, other thing. Don't feel pressure that you have to share the whole gospel in one sitting, especially if you can see somebody again. The disciples didn't do it always. It's fine to just share one truth that's anyways probably more than people can can grasp the first time and take your time and just go this way forward. I think that those would be some thoughts that come to my mind. I, I love that. And like you say, the the just plant one seed, plant one seed in this conversation, plant another yep. seed the next time around, and don't feel like you have to kind of lay out the whole <laughs> everything no, that exactly. you that you would want to say. Yeah. 
as we think about your job leading teams across a very diverse region, what's the hardest part of your job? One thing that I find very, very difficult is really to keep the focus on making disciples among the least reached Arab Muslims in, in the area that I'm responsible for. There is so much distraction. <laughs> and I, I do think that there is something spiritual about this. God wanting us to focus on the on the least reached and the evil one just uh, distracting us with millions of things. And then, of course, I mean, though we said in the beginning how much more openness there is today, and which is absolutely true, but still there is tons of discouragement. Uh, sometimes I feel that discouragement is one of the major um, sort of enemies. And then if you get discouraged, then you let yourself be distracted even easier. <laughs> and so to keep the focus, to keep the focus on really uh, reaching the least reached and uh, on this sub making them disciples. I think that is the big challenge. And for me also to, to lead others to stick to that is <laughs> not easy. How can we pray for God's work in the Middle East and North Africa? And how can we pray for you and for your team at Operation Mobilization? I really would, would love to see it. Like, I believe God also wants to see that like a, a movement of multiplying house churches in the whole region led by former Muslims. And the, the numbers of them have grown so many fold in the past years. That's a very realistic thing to happen. They, of course, bring a lot of stories and backgrounds that, that takes many, many years to, to really overcome. And if you could pray for a generation of leaders uh, from among Muslim background believers, that would be amazing. I I mean, we've seen so many painful examples also. So if you could encourage people to, to pray for a new generation of servant leaders from Muslim background who serve their own families, um, they serve their churches, they don't look for position, but look for, for the growth of the kingdom, I think that would be an amazing thing to happen. Amen. And also that you would help pray for us as teams to do whatever we can to let that happen. That means to, to uh, give over um, responsibility and leadership and focus in, in discipleship on, on really getting alongside, for example, young leaders to take responsibility and also to take steps in discipleship that make them good leaders, which is not a given automatically. Yeah. David, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for sharing with us this week. And we will, we will encourage our listeners to pray. I know I hear from listeners who write down the prayer requests that we share every week. They do take them to prayer. So I know that you will be prayed for and your work will be prayed for in the coming weeks. Thank you for sharing with us this week. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.